0: we <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 60 Cents Podcast. I'm Lucas with Jonathan, and if you can't tell, I am not feeling 100% the best, but despite my throg being in my throat, we are still recording because, gosh, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Right, Jonathan?
1: There is so much. I can't wait. Let's jump in.
0: Absolutely. So first, we're going to start off with the Sixers game against the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. Sixers won 97 to 89. A lot of Sixers were out for this. We we saw extended on Cork Korkmaz minutes. Take that as you will. Uh, let's let's start with, of course, the players that missed this game: uh, De'Anthony Melton, Robert Covington, Mo Bamba, and Jaden Springer. So let's let's jump into this. What was the good for you, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, I mean, Embiid played great, but I'd like to look at Daniel House on the bench. He got 27 minutes, as you said. There were so many players out for us and he really was more engaging on the defensive end like he only got he had nine points and three rebounds which is great but a block and a steal and he was just really active against the other wings on against charlotte we kind of thought we you and i had hosted the podcast before this game we kind of thought this would be a relatively easy game uh it It wasn't necessary yeah it wasn't we had to have a good fourth quarter and the bench kind of played pretty well so i like that what about you
0: yeah, look. I mean, we could talk about Joel exten- you know, continuing the thirty game points, uh, you know, streak. He had a double double, thirty three and ten. Tobias Harris showed up in this game, not so much Maxi, but Tobias showed up with twenty one points, five rebounds, six assists. So I, I I like what I saw from them. The bench could have given us more. Got to see some uh, some Smith, uh, some Turk Smith. Uh, in this game that was that was a little fun there at the end uh yeah but uh the the I mean Tobias Harrison Joel Embiid I guess are my I mean you can throw Nick Batum too and Daniel House but like those are my two bright spots what what was the bad for you
1: yeah the three-point shooting was awful five of 25 is just absolutely brutal I mean the starters made four and Daniel House got one knocked it in we couldn't hit anything from uh, from behind the arc, and that's why it was good. We had Embiid working down low and at the free throw line. That's where he got all his points. Uh, but man, Maxi one of nine, Oubre, one of five, Harrison Batum one of three. It was brutal, brutal deep deep range shooting tonight. How about you?
0: Well, I mean, luckily for the Sixers, the uh, Hornets were missing their starting center and their backup center. With both uh, Mark Williams and Nick Richards both being out in this game. Or else, you know, I'm not saying that they would have had much more effect slowing down Joel. But, I mean, they started P.J. Washington, who's, I think, like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, at, at center. So, like, that, that's always going to bode well. Yeah, look. I mean, the bad here is the uh, you know three point shooting Maxi. I'm going to call out Maxi. You know, he had 16 points on 22 shots, nine of uh, one of nine from three. Just an all out bad performance. Only made it to the line twice, and it's not like you know Terry Rozier a world beater here defensively. I mean, he's good, and we'll talk more about Terry here in a little while. But like, still Maxi should have done better than what he did. That it, this, this was definitely a bad game for
1: Tyrese Maxi. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so who
0: who is your player of the game in this game?
1: I think it's gonna to go to Tobias. I mean, we had Embiid putting up thirty-three and ten again, but he was a minus two. Uh struggled a little bit when he was out there. Tobias was twenty one points on fifteen shots again, shooting efficient. One of three, not great from three, but he got to the foul line for seven shots, which is what we want to see. Had five boards, six assists, just Pretty good all-around game for him, which we see every once in a while when they need him to step up. So I'm going with Harris. Who you got?
0: You know what? I I was actually thinking the same thing for Harris. I think Harris uh, deserved it there for sure. All right. Yeah.
1: Well, let's go to the next game, which we obviously really are excited to talk about, the Sixers versus Spurs. We beat the Spurs 133-123 at home. And obviously the news of the week is Joel Embiid put up 70 points breaking a franchise record for the 76ers, 24-41 and 21 of 23 at the foul line. So Lucas, I'll let you start with the good, but I feel like we're probably gonna be in a similar area.
0: I mean, look, Joel Embiid breaking Wilt's record is is the good. I mean, I don't I don't look, I mean the other guys, Maxi had 18 points, fine. Tobias had 14, that's fine. But, like, look, the story of this game, I don't want to talk about anything else besides Joel Embiid, really. I I don't. I mean, I I don't know. Like, there's there's numbers here. Like, he's the first player since MJ to have 65, 10, and 5. The Beat Wilts record for most points in a single game. Like, the, the amount of records he broke with this game or, like, tying, you know, joining elite company here. It's just so much of a combination here. It's just, look, and, like, I get it. Vic- Victor's young. Like, the Spurs are a bad team. They, they are. They're 8-35, and right? Like, we're not yeah. expecting a lot about... But when, it's not like Wimby had a bad night. I mean, he had five fouls, but he had 33 points and seven rebounds. You know, most of the time, this would be a story about Wimby, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid showing the world that he is the most dominant score in the NBA today, and one of the most dominating scores in NBA history.
1: Yeah, I mean, 70 points, and he played 37 minutes. I, I was listening to people talk about, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure that of all He, the leads, he killed,
0: leads the NBA in points per minute.
1: No, yeah, but I was going to say something different. I was going to say, I think that the, all the players, there's nine players that have gone over 70, I think 14 total instances. So a few mm-hmm. of those players have done it multiple times. I think... And B did it in the shortest amount of minutes. I'm not 100% yes, sure. Did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's almost getting two points a minute in this game. He's playing incredible, a, equivalent of three quarters, three total quarters. He was able to get it because they probably would have taken him out if the game wasn't close. We don't love that we're having a close game with the Spurs. But, and B, yeah, he, and he wasn't playing force. The really interesting thing is obviously everyone knew Cat scored 62 for the Timberwolves the same night, and Chris Finch uh, in the post game immediately was like, it was just like immature basketball and they were just forcing shots up. And it's funny that the complete opposite is what Joel said in his post game. He said after the third quarter, he had 58, he went in and told his teammates, don't force it to me. Let's try and win the game. That's most important. And that's just like such a contradiction night and day Embiid clearly is matured. And that's what we love to see. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about Embiid in a little bit too, but what was your bad in this game?
0: I, I, what do you want me to say? The fact that the game was close. Yeah, that wasn't great. The other guys couldn't really like pull away. But like, that's a nitpicky thing. Look, I'm glad that it was close so that Joel could get this record. I am mad at Daniel House for taking some threes in the fourth when it was clearly just feed Joel, feed him. Cause you yeah, didn't I make any of those Food threes.
1: in stadium.
0: And, like, yeah, look. And, by the way, Joel's the one of three centers to ever score over 70. The other two were Wilt and David Robinson. And Robinson yep. did it the last game of the regular season trying to get that scoring title. Right? So, it's really Joel and, and Wilt. Like, the fact that he broke Wilt's Sixers record. That is... Like, I know we're going okay, well, to can I, gonna can get to it. Can I here. say,
1: did you yeah. see uh, um, first take today, Mad Dog was going off because you do know that the famous wilt chamberlain photo has phila across his jersey because he was playing for the philadelphia warriors, warriors when he did that
0: yeah but that's not the same but franchise as the.
1: City. i understand but what are your thoughts on he was furious that was one of his like what he's mad about this week and i didn't know if, if you had no, any
0: they're different franchises look the warriors did start out in philadelphia they moved out to san francisco will played in both cities But that is a Warriors record, not a Sixers record. Sixers started out as the Syracuse Nationals, as you know. And then they moved down to Philly after the uh, Warriors moved out to San Francisco. So I I have no problem there. Yeah, okay. I just want to check. I didn't even know that Mad Dog went off on that. But Mad Dog can go off whatever he wants to go off. I don't care. I don't care about him. He's like the most annoying commentator to me. And I don't usually talk about like – commentators that annoy or don't annoy me, but he annoys me. And it's That's just fair. like he, he he feels like one of those guys and I'm not saying this is true, but it feels if he feels like one of those guys that are like, shut up and dribble. That's what it feels like. Now I don't know him personally, obviously, but that is the vibe that he gives off.
1: Okay. Well, look, I kind of agree with you there too. And I was only going to say the bad again was shooting. I mean, instead of five of 25, we went five of 20. So um, couldn't really knock down much. The interesting thing, though, when you're looking at the three-pointers is Embiid put up 70 points. He took two threes, like only attempted two threes. That is exactly the kind of player we need. He was playing big bully ball and getting to the paint and then getting his foul shots up, and that was incredible. Like only one three-pointer went into the 70-point game for him.
0: Well, let, let's let's look at the, uh, the roster here for a second for San Antonio. The only quote-unquote true center they have was Charles Bassey. He's out with injury. You have Zach Collins, who's a hybrid three, four or five, and Wemby, who's you know, you know, uh, the Wicker Man, you know, nothing but sticks, right? So, and, and actually, oh, that's a good nickname for him, the Wicker. Man. Have you seen the Wicker? Yeah, you Man? just
1: came up with that.
0: Yeah, I. You have you seen the Wicker Man? So you know it's like it's a uh, okay. So they had an old one, but the new one was with Nicolas Cage, and it's about a guy who's like made out of sticks. That the yeah, anyway. He's the stick man, and wicker man just works. Yes, he's the wicker man. I'm calling it. I'm going to tweet it out later. But, um, yeah, make sure you put the, tweet that out with the pod. But, anyway, yeah, no. So, Joel, granted, wasn't against a strong competition, but, like, the fact is that he got pretty much whatever he wanted. Had 23 free... Th- free throw attempts that has to be close to an NBA record. I don't know what the record is, but it ha- like I guess Wilt probably has that one, but like it can't be far off from Wilt's, right? It has to be at least a modern day record, right?
1: Yeah, I think no, the free throws attempted record is uh, Dwight Howard, 2012,
0: 39. Oh wow. Okay, no. Will Joel's not going to get that. Who fouled Dwight Howard 39? What? I can't wow. tell you. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, that that record's probably safe. Probably. Haka, Haka Howard. Gosh, I, I do not remember. I do not I'm not have fond memories of that. That made games horrible. Anyway, it feels like a... By the way, that feels like a Greg Popovich thing to do to Dwight, though. I am going to say that. <laughs> it might be. Do you remember the first game that... Uh, well, there was a game at the beginning of the game between... Uh, Shaq versus – and I forget which team Shaq was on. I think it was maybe Phoenix, but I could be wrong. There was a game at the tip-off, and as soon as the tip-off happened, uh, Greg Popovich had his player fouled uh, Shaq, and Shaq just turned to him and, like, pointed it and, like, gave him a little smirk. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah,
1: I don't, but, I mean, that sounds like classic.
0: That, yeah, classic it, pop. Yeah. But classic pop, but, yeah. By the way, did you hear the pregame comments that Pop made? Oh, yeah, but
1: I heard it
0: was all in jest. He was basically oh, yeah, saying, we're going unjust. to that it's ass. funny that It's funny. That I I forget the exact quote, but he was like, we're going to tell Victor to, you know, put put your rear into him and just, like, punish him and, you know, hammer it home, all that stuff. And clearly, Pop was just saying it in jest. I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me. Don't quote me, guys, here. But, like, it's <laughs> funny that Pop said that and then this happened.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I, no, guess, I guess we got to talk about, you know... We, we got to talk about the Joel stuff now because, I, I, I mean, yeah. have, you know, player of the game is Joel, clearly. All right. <laughs> yes. So, Jonathan, is Joel going be the best basketball
1: player in the world right now? So I'm going to – when I wrote this question, I was thinking, like, it's going to be yes. But I think what you said was even better in the first segment, that he's the best scorer, like, absolutely best offensive scorer in the game right now. And I don't think that's in debate. I think if you want to say and see the best basketball player in the world right now, that can be debated. Uh, you mm-hmm. still have Jokic playing well, even though Embiid beat him in the head-to-head. You still have Giannis, so just playing, playing really well. And then you got, uh, then you Shea? got like, yeah, Shea or Luca. You want to throw Luca's Anthony averaging had, thirty-four I mean, points. Anthony
0: Edwards minus that little dud that he pulled against Charlotte.
1: Yeah, I mean, Luka's averaging 34 points a game, and he's in second because Embiid has 36. So I think there are arguments for best basketball player in the world. I still think Embiid is that. I'll say yes for that question. But I think undeniably the best offensive like threat right now, best scorer in the NBA. What do you think?
0: I think to answer your thing, yes, he's the best scorer. That's that's not even up for debate. I don't even think it's close. Because, there, you know, I heard something odd. Uh, on a YouTube thing today, and I forgot who exactly said it. I think it was maybe Bill Simmons, but he's Kevin Durant plus a hundred pounds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Think think
0: about (laughs) that. If Kevin Durant was a hundred pounds heavier, be pretty close to what we see with Joel, right? Yeah. So yes, he's the most dominating scoring player in the NBA today. Is he the best player? He leads the NBA in PER, right? He's yep. the one player that's scoring uh more points per minute than he has more points than minutes played right now, right? He has the top 3 team in the in his conference, right? And they probably would be top 2 if not for injuries that he's sustained and missed 11 games, right? Where the team struggled yeah. without him. So, with that in mind, Joel Embiid is the best player in the basketball player in the world right now. Uh, I
1: think so. I think so.
0: I think that obviously, regular season wise, he he is dominating. The question now, of course, comes postseason, which we'll get to in a second. But before we get to that, I got to ask you: After this game, where does Joel Embiid rank all time among grade Sixers? I'm gonna. I I'll. Ta- I'll. T- I'm gonna start with my first and work my way down. Okay, you but you go first.
1: Okay, I would like to say that he is the best sixer of all time. I don't Ooh. know. Like I, Are we I understand. Biased? Are we? Having Hold on. I haven't seen Moses Malone, Doctor J play live. Obviously, too young for that. Seen highlights. Understand how great that team is. But I was even listening to Philly Sports Radio. That team that won a championship in 83 was like a team of all-stars right now i mean realistically we have two all-stars on our team this 70-point game is something like the way he plays the electricity in the city i can only compare to alan iverson obviously in person i think the fact that alan iverson got us to an nba finals is he has one mvp and he got us to an nba po- finals joel has one mvp and now is a 70-point game i'd say they're very neck and neck so in my lifetime I'm still probably having Alan Iverson. I think by the end of his career, it will unequivocally be Joel. I truly do. But at this moment in time, until he at least like gets us to a finals, I think he's like right, right below Allen Iverson, super close. When you want to extend the conversation to like Moses, uh, Doctor J, Will, if you want to like, we can have Uriah on to talk more about that. But I think that like for me, I think he's like two very closely closing in on one.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't disagree. So but let me just go to my top. AI's one okay. still. Though I think that could change depending on the outcome of this season. If Joel okay. gets a second MVP or gets to the NBA finals. Either one if either one happens, he he leaps AI, right? In my opinion, because he's been here. Yeah. We forget that he got drafted in 2014. He started playing in 2016. So what is this, his seventh year playing, sixth year eighth, 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 eighth. year playing? Yeah. That's a pretty long tenure for, for most stars in Philly. I mean, outside of AI and Charles, right? Like, you know, Dr. J yeah. came towards the end. Moses was only here for about five seasons. AI was here for a long time, but not about, what, nine nine, ten seasons, right, for AI? That sound about right? I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. But look, Joel is going to be a problem for uh, the immediate future in the NBA. For the next three to five years, Joel is going to be a problem. And I think that – I don't know if he'll break the Sixers all-time scoring record set by Hal Greer. I don't know that. be awesome if he could. He'll have to play quite a long time, though, here. We'll see if that happens. I hope that it happens. But number one is AI. Joel's number two. Number three goes to Dr. J. Number four goes to Moses. And number five goes to Charles. That's how I see it right now. Wilt's number six. Because, wait a second, did Wilt win championship here? I don't,
1: did he? I forget. I'm not sure. It was before that, 83, obviously. So, yeah. yours was AI, Joel, Dr. J, Moses.
0: Actually, no, I'm going to switch Moses and Joel and Wilt just because I'm pretty sure Wilt won a championship. So, Wilt's
1: four, Chumps five.
0: Yeah, and Moses is six. Yeah. But that's just me. Now, the last question here, and this goes to the going back to the NBA championship question. If Joel does not win an NBA championship, would he still be a lock for the Hall of Fame?
1: I think he is. So, I think the, like, when you, if he wins a title, it, it's over. Like, there's no debate if he's a Hall of Fame player. But I think even if he doesn't, he's got one MVP, scoring champion, going to be a two time scoring champ. Three-time, three-time scoring champion. Yeah, so he's, I think his credentials right now, and, and I mean, when you think of, when I think of Hall of Fame, like, people who are locks, using that word, I think it's someone who truly changed the game of basketball. And, like, If you think back to Shaq in his prime, he was actually undefended, unguardable in like the early 2000s, late 90s. If you think back to like players like Michael Jordan, obviously just these players that like changed the game. Steph Curry actually changed how people play the game of basketball. I think Joel Embiid is thriving in an era when people are saying there are no big, this is not a big men league. He's showing that it still can be, and he's dominating this game in a way we haven't seen. You're right. He, He is KD plus 100 points. Speaking of KD, you saw his reaction when he heard that Embiid put up 70. I mean, yes, I'm I pretty did. sure
0: fantastic.
1: I'm think, trying to think of all the people off the top of my head. I, I know Devin Booker's still playing. Other than him, I think all the people who scored over 70 are in the Hall of Fame or close to it. So, uh, uh, No, D- I Damon, think, Damon Donovan scored 70 last season. Okay, well, yeah. Okay, so the, the retired players. I think that Embiid is a Hall of Fame lock now, but I think if you really want to just, like, get the question completely over with. He's he's got to get a title or at least get them there. But I mean, he's been a game changer of a basketball player like this whole year.
0: I I his whole
1: career. the
0: question isn't if if he doesn't win the championship, the question isn't whether or not he'll be in the hall of fame. He'll be in the hall of fame. The question is will he be a first ballot? Yeah. Yep. That's I think that's the question. But one other question that wasn't on here with Joel that I wanted to ask you real quick. So Would the NBA step in, bypass their own rules, if Joel does not make the 65-game cutoff to win NBA honors, like MVP and All-NBA? Or would the NBA bypass one of the greatest seasons in NBA history? Because this this is looking like it will be one of the greatest seasons in NBA history to stick to a new rule that was just implemented last year.
1: I I don't think they can. I mean, I understand that the way he's playing and – the, technically the gap between him and the second best like if you're putting jokic or luka in that conversation or Shea, the gap is huge but yeah. they can't do in their first season they absolutely cannot go against this new rule that they're such I, a honest, shame i like if he misses it by one or two games
0: like come on
1: they can't though they actually can't that's I just feel, their rule
0: i feel like all fans would be especially sixers fans would lose their mind. I think the media would lose their mind if we can't name Joel. Like, I know Joel said in the past that he's focused on his health, but at this point, Joel, if possible, try to get this award. Because you deserve it. You really do. He's the MVP. And I'll even go a step further here. If Joel can win the Sixers an NBA title this year, I will go get a number 21 slash Sixers tattoo on my body.
1: There it is. I, I'm ho- I'm I'm going to click that. I'm if just going to hold that clip. Yeah, clip it. Put it online. I don't
0: care. If they win a championship this season and Joel's <laughs> doing is what he to do, I will get a tattoo. I don't know exactly where because my numbers, my basketball number is 20, so 21 would be kind of weird. But – I will get it somewhere on my body, I will take a picture of it. I will do a video of when I'm getting it. It'll probably Let's be- go. This is the
1: content we all
0: want and need. I will do it. I will do it. I will save up the money, get a Sixers. like I'm going to get like the Sixers logo with number 21 built in somehow, and that is what's happening this season, fans. I, if They're going to win. The Sixers, if the Sixers win a, cha- a championship, I will get a Sixers tattoo with 21. In there. Maybe even zero if Maxi really steps up too. I don't know. But right now, after Wait, that game, you're
1: backing yourself I, into a corner.
0: I don't care. I'm willing to do it. Which I told myself right. in the past, I would never do a team or player number tattoo because the players always leave. But if they win a championship, like, come on. Come
1: all on. right. Joel. to it.
0: If, if, at that point, Joel's the best sixer of all time. Like, we agree. If they win a championship, yes, he wins, he's the best sixer of all time. So yes. yeah, I can accept that. I can accept that. That's fine. I'll get it. I'll probably get it on my leg or my forearm. I, I don't know which one, but it's gonna happen. One of those two places, probably my calf. Anyway.
1: All right, that's uh, we're locking it. We are locking that in, and that's gonna segue us into our next conversation. So there actually has been some pretty big news in the uh, 24 hours of Joel Embiid scoring 70, Cats scoring 62. We had a interesting trade and. Uh, coaching change so first up we're going to address the coaching change in the eastern conference moves
0: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change.
1: Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Milwaukee Bucks fired Adrian Griffin after a 30-13 and 13 record, which is currently tied for second best in the league. Uh, seems kind of crazy. And then also, subsequently, before we record this podcast, they are reportedly hiring former 76ers head coach Doc Rivers. So, Ooh. Lucas, I'm going to ask you to get two you you'll take two separate questions we'll start with thoughts on the hiring or the firing first of adrian griffin and then the hiring of doc rivers
0: the firing of adrian griffin is unfortunate but totally necessary it's beyond necessary let me tell you why it's necessary here jonathan there's been a vibe of you know you always get vibes from theme. There's been an awful yeah. vibe about the Bucks since his hire. Essentially, the, the, there was the whole entire thing with Terry Stotts, Dame's former head coach, who, who just literally walked out. He was done with the with that coaching staff. He was supposed to be the associate head coach. Then they they the, they had to change the defense. They had to change the rotations. And I heard from Bill Simmons. I believe it was Bill Simmons. I could be wrong, but I heard from Bill Simmons on uh, while I was you know I, I was listening to Bill Simmons today, and he was talking about how two weeks prior to this change, the front office was coming down to Bucks practices to observe how the practices were going. The vibe check is off. Giannis May saying that the team was disorganized during the playing tournament. That's a bad vibe. It was absolutely. I I think I think. Adrian Griffin can be a good coach. I think that this was not the right situation to put a brand new head coach in with no coaching head coaching experience. Not everybody's Ty Lue, okay? Yeah. So that's... I, I think it was unfortunate, but totally necessary in this case. And I think they made the move probably at one of the better times that they could have done it. You gave it half a season. That's That's good enough for me.
1: Okay. You want me to go on the uh, – Larry, you give your your insights first, man. Yeah, I mean I I think you nailed it so much. The crazy thing is that we didn't get more news about that Terry Stotts thing. I was about to bring that up. Like he was clearly there to help with Dame's transition, and he just left like before the season. And as you said, not much reporting on that, but clearly there was something to do with uh, the way Adrian Griffin was going to coach. I think that you're right. There obviously has been something feeling weird about this team since the beginning. Their defense is out, is awful. It's one of the worst defenses ever. But you think like you got rid of Drew Holiday. That was such a controversial See, thing. Yeah, okay, you're bringing it. A... Drew Holiday though, because no, points... I don't think it's just. No, yeah. I don't think it's just Drew Holiday. I think that's a good point. But I think that like you're wondering why you stink at defense. Like you did lose one of your stalwarts of defense. On the other side of that, I think like they definitely did need to shake something up because this team didn't seem like the team that would probably beat, that could beat the Sixers or Celtics in the seven game series. They've lost the Pacers four out of five times this year, which is crazy. Like they have their number. Giannis is clearly unhappy. I think the game before Adrian Griffin got fired, Giannis was drawing up timeout plays. Like yeah, I saw that. something wasn't going right. So I was shocked he got fired, but I think you're right. It's not the right, like it wasn't the right spot to put a first time coach into a team that, is a veteran team looking for title aspirations. I mean, everyone on that team has been around for a while. It's been a, like a strong Eastern Conference team year over year. So probably not the best decision. I truly do hope, though, that he gets another shot somewhere else because I think he'll be good. Uh, I just think it was pretty odd just to see this as like the first coaching fire. And it's like, man, they're 30 and 13. Um, but, yeah, all right, why don't we go to the hiring, man? Doc Rivers, just this crazy news.
0: Yeah, I really thought Doc was going to get a, a year off here, possibly be done. It, it was clear pretty early on that before they made this move, they knew who they wanted to get. They wanted to get Doc Rivers. Like As soon as the news came out that Griffin was gone, that Rivers was their main target, and they got him. Look, uh, Doc's coming into a weird situation, but he does have a you know playoff-caliber team with most of its core left from the championship run. Doc, this, and Stephen A. Smith said this today, I'm going to echo it too. Doc, you don't have to win it this year, but the next year and a half, if you don't win it all, you're done as a head coach in the NBA. Yep. He's done. He has to at least get to the NBA finals. Like, he cannot have, just his record speaks for himself. Sixers fans know what it is. He's given up a lot of 3-1 leads, lost a lot of Game 7s, 6 of 10 in Game 7s. Like, he can't mess it up here with the bucks. Now, I don't know if Doc Rivers is going to be able to change the defense here cuz some of its effort, some of its schematics. But when you have two guards that are really bad defensively, like Dame's bad, we know that. He's not going to be able to pick it up. But then you keep on playing guys like Malik Beasley, who is a great three-point shooter, but he's not going to be Able to lock stuff down defensively. This, I honestly think, they're missing uh, Grayson Allen a little bit too much defensively, yeah. which is crazy because he's not like a super defender or anything. But I think at the end of the day here, that Doc has a pretty big, pretty big. I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the Bucs this postseason. I'm giving them a mulligan for this postseason. The goal is to get the right stuff in order for next season. That's that's what I think. And, and to re-empower Dame, because Dame's clearly not playing the way that he should, and getting Giannis on board, which, for the most part, it seems like Doc can get his superstar on board. It's just the co-star that he has a problem with. So we'll we'll see what happens here.
1: Yeah. I Look, I was shocked they hired Doc Rivers. I think that this is good news for the Sixers because we've seen that Doc Rivers is, is not the best, especially not the best playoff coach. Look, I think Doc is a great players coach. Like they love him. I think, so if we're still going positive, like, I think that this is probably next to rehiring bud coach Budenholzer. This is the probably best way you can go right now because firing a coach in the middle of a season when you're on a, having a really good season, but there's like one or two things wrong. I think having a veteran head coach that can step in and that people respect is great. So, I think Look, in that sense, this is probably the right move. So, but let me ask like, you. Yeah, oh, no. God. I was just going to say. So, like, that's the good, obviously, that we're saying for Doc Rivers. But the bad, we know it. I mean, he's blown three 3 1 leads. No other person has blown one. He has stalled out with the Sixers in the conference finals. I know we had that issue probably, maybe before him too. But, like, he. Has not been a great coach. I, I was going to bring up the Stephen A thing if you didn't. Like, I do think this is his last chance. If you can't turn like a team that you have Giannis and Dame on and, and at least get to the conference finals, that's what they're projected or should be as currently seeded. So uh, I'm nervous for Doc Rivers. I don't, I think you're right. He probably did need a full year off. This seems kind of quick. He was just announcing for a bit, but he did have like Giannis and Embiid, even though they're slightly different players, they're big, can take over games. So he'll have some familiarity with the kind of, like, player that he's coaching, I think the Bucs did the best move if they needed to fire someone. This was probably the way to write to the ship, but, I mean, I wouldn't like it if I'm a Bucs fan.
0: So, let me ask you this, and it's not on the agenda, but do you think the Bucks made a mistake in firing Budenholzer? Yeah, and... I, I think so, too. And I think you he be- had
1: kind of run his time, though, right?
0: Okay, maybe. Maybe. But here's something that I did not know that Mad Dog Russo did uh, uh, enlighten me to when I was listening to him this morning. Did you know that Boonhoser had a brother die during the playoffs last year? I did not. That has to play a factor into how poorly the Bucks played, right? Absolutely. So with that in mind, maybe I don't give up on Bo, but I—I mean, look. Maybe he had ran his course, but clearly you did not have a concrete plan. And something – clearly there was something off because, remember, Nick Nurse was in the running for that job, and he bowed out. Yep. So that's kind of weird. And then the other candidate was Kenny Atkinson, who, you know, good culture guy, but hadn't had much playoff success, right? So – it's it's a weird feeling. Like you got to have a coach with cachet if you're going to replace Bud. And I don't know if you had that coach. Now, one thing, and I don't think this is true, I think it's a little bit premature to, to make this a uh, proclamation, but Stephen A. alluded to the fact, like he didn't straight up say it, but it seems like maybe Giannis has, he, he alluded to the idea that maybe Giannis has a little bit too much power in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, I mean, this move doesn't get doesn't happen without Giannis or Dame, right? And and it's most likely Giannis. But I go back to, I'm pretty sure in the summer, Adrian Griffin, like, flew over to Greece and, like, spent time with Giannis and his family. Like, because obviously you wanted Giannis to sign off, and and he seemingly did. So it must be really bad to 40 games into a season, be like, 43 games into a season, be like, man, like, I don't want this anymore. Like, there must truly be something wrong because how do you, like, I, I just don't understand. Like, Giannis definitely did sign off. So how do you just, like dismiss this?
0: I'm not sure, man. I'm really not sure. But you know what I am sure of? That the Miami Heat have just become a lot bigger of a
1: problem. They have. So I'm going to pitch that to you. They traded. This is the news. Miami Heat uh, acquired Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Kyle Lowry and a first-round pick. So Little kind of steep, not too, I mean not steep. Terry is a great player, but they're throwing a the first-round pick. Kyle Lowry's old. Terry is eight years younger. This is a good move for the Heat, I think. So why don't you tell us what you think about the move and how realistic of a threat this makes the Heat in the Eastern Conference?
0: Well, first off, I want to say that Terry Ruggier has cleared all of his physicals. He's playing tonight for the the Heat, okay. so we're gonna get to see that later on. We're recording. It's about five thirty-eight right now. We're in the middle of our podcast, but I, I will I will say this. The first round pick that was sent, it's 2027, I want to say. Lottery protected, and then unprotected 2028. I don't think we suspect the Heat to be that terrible, right, in the next three to four years. So most likely this this converts that year. What I do want to say is this. The Miami Heat have just become the scariest team in the Eastern Conference. Not the best team of the scariest team and the scary Terry nickname aside and pun intended, but putting that aside in all seriousness here, you get a guy who can play on and off the ball, create at a good enough level to supplement what Jimmy and Tyler hero already do. And bam, you get a guy who's an underrated defender. And now that he's on a winning team, his defense is definitely going to uptick. He was averaging 23 and six prior to this trade now I don't expect him to continue that, but if he can stay around maybe nineteen and five or nineteen and four, the Heat are going to be a problem for anybody that sees them. I put them I they leapfrog the Knicks now in my opinion because Terry Rozier gives them another creator and playmaker who can shoot, play on and off the ball. That's key here and play make at the guard position, and they only they got and like. In all reality here, you know, they were going for Dame this summer. Based off of Dame's play this season, is Terry that much of a downgrade? No, he's not. And you got him at a fraction of the price. So I think this easily makes the Heat the fourth best team in the East. I don't know if that means that they're going to get the fourth spot, but they're the fourth best team in the East. And if I'm the Sixers, I don't want to see the Heat in the second round. I don't.
1: Yes. Yeah, so does this make them a realistic threat to, like, potentially win the East?
0: Yes. Yes, I think it does. Because really? they did it last year. They did it last year. I mean, like, look, if Joel's healthy, Maxie's playing at his best, and the role players do what the role players need to do, maybe the Sixers make one or two trades here, like, then the Sixers should be okay against Miami. But, like, and the Heat, I mean, look, the Heat beat Boston last year. Granted, the Heat have, the Boston has changed their look significantly. But like right now, as I see that, you know what? I won't even say that the Heat are the fourth best team. As of this moment, I think the Heat are the third best team with Milwaukee being the fourth. I do not trust Milwaukee in the playoffs, even with Dame. So that's, that's where I feel about it. Like, yeah, look, could, I, could they could they knock off any – could they make another magical run with Jimmy playing Jimmy playoff minutes, Tyler Hero having the season he's having and Terry Ruggier playing like the Ways. And by the way, Bam, can we give love to Bam? Like seriously, I've been beating this drum all season long. Bam is the third best center in the NBA, and it's not even close.
1: Yeah, you, uh, you carry the Bam flag, and I, I agree he's great. Look, I think this move really helps – for the Miami Heat, they clearly lost the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. It I don't know how realistic the James Harden sweepstakes were that they were going for him. But the, the point is that they were looking to upgrade their roster specifically around the point guard position. Terry Rozier does that. Like he is a threat to score. I think some people have concern because he played on a bad team. He was just putting up numbers and maybe that doesn't translate, but they forget like he played in Boston. He had a prove it attitude on a good Boston Celtics team. And that's what got him the big contract with Charlotte. So, I think that he knows how to play that way, and he can adapt, especially we all know heat culture. like, He's not going to go in there and be selfish. I think you're right. If he goes 19-3, 19-4, that's kind of what they want and what they expect. I think it makes this team really good. We, I always talk about players that can create their own shot. There's truly not as many as people think in the NBA today, and Terry Rozier is absolutely a player who can create his own shot. Jimmy Butler can too. Tyler Hero close, kind of can too. This is a – Really good team. I, I don't know that... I wouldn't say there's Here's the a scary realistic.
0: part about Miami. They could make another move. They still could make another move. And you know yeah, what so they, that they, Sorry, go ahead. What, are
1: they going to trade Hero?
0: No, no, no. They don't have to. They can trade supplementary pieces and get a guy... Now, he's not available, but, like, say a Harrison Barnes type of four. Like a, a big... Athletic four that can play multiple positions like Caleb Martin's good, but he's six six, six five six six. They had a big wing to pair next to Jimmy. It's done. Like Miami's going to be, it would it would be too much Miami. Like they they need a, a true like you know you know modern day four about six eight, switchable defensively can shoot threes. It's done. Like I don't know, Ugh, that's just that's a hard matchup. Look,
1: yeah, I, I think they're good. And we know that, like, Jimmy doesn't love the moniker playoff Jimmy, but that is a thing. The Heat are also a playoff team. I mean, they went to the finals as the eight seed. They they are an experienced team who doesn't seem to turn it up until late. I think they are dangerous. I really do. It's interesting when you see, like, the teams in four, five, six. You've got the Knicks trading for OG Ananobi, the Pacers getting Siakam to pair with Halber. and hopefully when he comes back from the hamstring injury. Now you've got the Heat going for Terry Rozier. These teams at four, five, six are trying to make that move to get into that next level of like top tier of one, two, three right now with Boston, Uh, Philly, uh, Milwaukee. Maybe Milwaukee falls down. You're right. Who knows, especially with what's going on there. But I think these teams are trying to at least get a a home playoff, like first round. And uh, those three teams are all making big moves. It seemed like the Knicks did it. Pacers reacted. Now Heat reacted. And they're all kind of making good upgrades.
0: Absolutely. Uh, one thing, though, I, I, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about that that 70-point game. Did you see the after game? Joel, Corkmaz, Rocco all got to embrace with Brett with Brown. Brett Brown. It, that melted my heart, man. Lucas, melted I was my about heart. to
1: say that. I was about oh. to add that. Like It's not in the agenda. I was about to put that on the agenda. What a great – like. someone was saying it's not like MB just rushed off the court ready to like revel in, in his amazing accomplishment – they went back and they, like, the process Sixers, Korkmaz, Covington, and Embiid, they embraced Brett Brown. And, I mean, people were even wondering, what do you think that, like, he kind of, it was kind of, like, you know, it also happened on the anniversary of Kobe's 81-point game. So you it's know like,
0: that Kobe was the reason why he played basketball. So,
1: Yeah, there so, so it, so it many seemed ba- like it was the perfect storm.
0: Look, I want, okay, this is going to sound weird. In some capacity, not as a head coach, not as a front office decision maker, but in some capacity, I would love Brett Brown to come back. Not as a head coach. In, okay. Not as a front office decision maker. Clearly, he's bad at that. We know that. Thanks for Mikel not giving us Mikel Bridges, by the way. But just Brett Brown it, it totally you know shows us the heart of Philly. And I don't know exactly how you br- br- bring Brett Brown back, but it would be awesome if you could.
1: Look, I, I yeah, I don't know in what capacity you bring him back, but man, I couldn't agree with you more. That was such a special moment, and like Embiid clearly has a bond and a strong bond and relationship with Brett Brown. I mean, they they were together through his formative years, especially when he was sitting on the sideline like that had to be tough. So yeah, man, great visual to see.
0: Yeah, that that made the night. Not the 70. I mean, the 70 points definitely did. But, like, the icing on the cake there was that. All yeah. right. So, let's let's wrap this up here.
1: Yeah, Other I, I mean, NBA there's not, stuff. I was going to say up? there's not too much to talk about in other NBA. I will say the only thing that I saw super interesting, besides many of the things we touched on already, was did you see the Portland uh, – Thunder game how it ended. I saw part night.
0: of that I saw part of that last night I didn't see I saw I didn't see the end but I know that they're contesting the loss I did want to mention something from that too but I don't think it's going to be the same thing you are right
1: I was just going to say yeah I was just going to say the how it ended so they called Malcolm Brogdon on a double dribble when he got trapped by the Thunder the uh I think Portland was up they were definitely going to win the game Chauncey Billups is calling a timeout clear as day but the ref is watching like Brogdon, like real cl- he's right next to Brogdon looking for any like double dribble travel. So he's not looking at Chauncey Billups. his back is to him, but Chauncey was yelling. And I don't know, I thought it was interesting because like you don't really see too many. I mean, you never see successful ones. I think the last successful challenge was like when Shaq was with the Heat, but like contesting of games, I always find it to be an interesting topic. So uh, I wanted to bring that up, but I don't think they'll get it. But it, it, in my opinion, Chauncey got the timeout. Would, uh, you had something else in the game?
0: Yeah. Um, DeAndre Aiden is a bust.
1: Oh, uh, what was his quote? Wasn't there a great quote of his?
0: Uh, he's going he to be dominating his, at the beginning no, of the season.
1: Oh, that's a good one. But I think he said he had nothing to prove. Recently. That's funny. And, that's funny. And there was a headline on Deadspin that said, NBA player averaging 12.5 points per game says he has nothing to prove.
0: Yeah. Now, look. I was a big Aiden fam. I'm gonna sell that that stock now. It's gone. It can go to whoever wants it. Look, he um he's just given up since he got into port. Like like he, in some ways, not always, but some ways it kind of feels like Ben Simmons, oh you got paid. Congratulations. Now you're not trying anymore. Yeah. And that's really gonna hurt the game moving forward because like now we have this quote unquote hard cap, which means that guess what? They're not going to be paying players, too many players, the max max anymore. Like what we saw with Kyrie Irving, and I, I believe I was listening to Hoop Elective when this they, when this idea came about to me. But like Kyrie negotiating that, that non-max deal with Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving we know is a max player skill-wise, right? But that's going to be happening more and more to these star players. Unless you're the top 10, top 15 players in the league, you're probably not going to get a super max anymore. And players like Ben Simmons, Aiden, and others are going to be part of the reason why.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, there's, so there's, there's one other thing I wanted to uh, talk yeah, about same, this
0: week. Same here. So but You go first.
1: Okay. So it was going to be the Boston Celtics losing their uh, home undefeated streak. Yeah. So they were 20-0 at, at home. A great game. 20-0 at, at home, and the Denver Nuggets beat them, I think, by like three. It, that was truly one of the best games to watch all year. I mean, and earlier in the week, we talked about last week, Denver and uh, Philly. Like, Philly beats Denver. Denver beats Boston. A lot of these teams at the top, like Clippers, Thunder, playing each other. Uh, they're they're uh, The Celtics still being 20-1 and one at home is incredible. No team's ever gone undefeated, but that was a big win by the Nuggets. And then in the Western Conference, I was going to say – the Minnesota Timberwolves are still the one seed. They are still the best team out West record wise, but they have been playing so poor that I think they're 500 in their last 12 games. And it was even more proof, like an immature team where uh, I think Anthony Edwards even admitted it when they were forcing the ball. God, to he said like, yeah, yeah, that's just an immature thing. Chris Finch knows it. And I don't think it's just that game. So I'd keep an eye on the Timberwolves. I mean, they seem to be hitting a mid season slot.
0: Yeah. Um, the team that I wanted to touch on was the Charlotte Hornets because clearly this is the sign that besides the Lomella ball, Brandon Miller, maybe Mark Williams, everybody's available. Everybody's oh, available. Man. So if there's one person on that team, who do you want that's still there
1: For us, yeah, uh, I don't know, man that's i I don't there's no one I'm like really interested in on the team. I, I got one. some good players. Okay,
0: who you got? E.J. Washington. Interesting. Stretch four, can play a little bit of the five. A little undersized or five, but stretch four. 15 points per you know, only making 15 mil. You add him, uh, you know, Rocco and maybe Corkmas. you get him. You give up probably first or second round pick, probably two seconds. You know how much better that makes our bench? You know how yeah. much better that makes our bench. And here's the I thing. I think he like, does. And like you know, we talk about the buyout market. You know, Gordon Hayward, Kyle. Lowry. I was
1: gonna, That's who I was gonna say.
0: Okay. Let's talk about those two. You do you think Kyle finally comes back to Philly, or do you think we're good without him? I'm. I think we're good without him. Without who? Kyle Lowry as a backup.
1: I. I think we're good without him. I mean, Woj reported that the Sixers aren't really trying to make anything big. I know that would just pr- probably be like a buyout, but uh, or, or maybe a trade, whatever it comes out to be. But I just don't see uh, him – I don't see us needing him. I mean, he could come back as just a veteran because he has like some sway and that could help in the locker room. He doesn't seem like he'd change too much. But I, the, I don't know that our him and Embiid are friends.
0: Right now. Yeah, I'm good with our locker room presence now. I don't think we need him. And on the court, clearly, he's a negative at this point. Yeah, yeah, but Gordon Hayward, that would be an interesting one. I'd be open to that one if you get him on a minimum.
1: Yeah, hey.
0: Yeah. Anyway, John, how about you
1: play us out, bud? Definitely, man. This was a great podcast. Everyone in Philly, I hope you're enjoying, obviously, disappointing with the Eagles, but this is Sixers' time. I truly hope you're enjoying this. And – one thing I would just continue to push is do not take this for granted, what Joel Embiid is doing. This is truly greatness. This is only the second time I've seen incredible greatness like this in Philly in, in my lifetime, and does not come around often. So enjoy it. Don't forget,
0: it. I'll get a Sixers tattoo with Joel Embiid's number if they win the championship. So
1: let's go. Hopefully someone let's gets to Joel. Uh, yes. Yeah, so thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, continue to read our work over at the Sixers Cents. You can listen to our podcast anywhere you listen to any of your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, please continue to support. And until next time, let's go Sixers. Go Sixers.